Telehell presents Award Show Gimmicks of the Dam. As this episode is being uploaded, the 71st Annual Emmy Awards is about to take place. Or, if you're listening to this after the awards have ended, congratulations, more than likely, to Game of Thrones for blanking out the competition one last time despite a mediocre final season. That's right, I said it. Come at me. But that's another story. Since 1949, the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences honor those who have managed to make a strong impression on the world of television in the previous season. Everything from shows and their performers, to writers and directors, to even behind-the-scenes work and other niche categories would strive to achieve the recognition of their peers by getting nominated for, and hopefully winning, a coveted Emmy Award. And throughout the 70-year history of the ceremony, there's been a fair share of memorable moments. From the occasional memorable comedy piece, to a telecast being interrupted to bring Middle East peace talks in the 1970s. From actor Powers Booth accepting his Emmy in spite of the rest of the acting community going out on strike. And of course, who doesn't love it when somebody who's been going after an award for many years finally wins one after multiple tries. Can I just say, Skip Brittenham said to me a long time ago, if you stay at the table long enough, the chips come to you. And tonight, I got to clear the table. That's just one of many moments that make the Emmy Awards as special as they are entertaining year after year, even if it is a little cheesy at times. Point is, the Emmy Awards, like most award shows, will always have that one moment worth talking about for weeks to come, all while watching some of our favorite shows achieve greatness. Of course, in a perfect world, we wish that there were more great moments happening than there were misfires and train wrecks. Yes, in the 70-year history of the ceremony, there have been more than a few moments of what were you thinking that tend to peak out when we least expect them. Whether it be former press secretary Sean Spicer trying to do an impression of Melissa McCarthy. This will be the largest audience to witness an Emmys, period, both in person and around the world. Or even this thing happening, where bad singing grabbed our ears by its collective pussy. Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. As is the case with most things in life, you gotta take the good with the bad, for better or far worse. But no matter how awkward or cheesy some of those moments were, they all pale in comparison to what was probably the stupidest thing that was ever done in Emmy history. Something that not only defeats the purpose of the Emmy Awards, but would thankfully be done one time only. And because of this, it's an honor just to be nominated in Telehell. The 1973-74 TV season will probably go down in history as one of the most tumultuous ones on record, especially if you happen to be a new series that debuted that year. Practically every new offering the networks had that year was taken off the air long before the mid-season, and the viewing audience were more content with watching their old familiar favorites. The top shows of that season were a virtual murderer's row of hits, with only one new show making it to the top 10 that year. CBS's Kojak. The mid-season of 1974 would fare a little better, with the premieres of Happy Days on ABC and Good Times on CBS making it into the top 20. Otherwise, 
Every other show was already an established hit. Because of this, there may have been a lingering sense of nervousness among the Television Academy. If the viewers had become too complacent in their viewing habits, perhaps the voting members of the industry might feel the same way. So with that, the people who ran the 26th Annual Emmy Awards in 1974 got an idea. What if they gave out the awards like they've been doing all along, but then pit the existing winners against each other to see who is truly the best in their overall field? In other words, put the winner of the comedy category against the winner of the drama category, followed by winners in the miniseries and specials category versus winners in the TV movie category, as well as a handful of craft categories that nowadays would probably wind up in the creative arts Emmys that nobody watches. Altogether, this would show who is the more superior being in the world of television. On paper, this would sound like a colossally dumb idea. But in practice, this would also be a colossally dumb idea. One that really didn't need to be executed in the first place. But they did it. And so, in 1974, those of us tuning into the Emmy Awards that year would be treated to the first, last, and only time this convoluted form of rewarding peers would ever take place. Faster than a speeding teleprompter. More powerful than a William Morris agent. Able to make actors' salaries leap in a single bound. TV. It's an award. It's a statuette. It's a Super Emmy. Yes, a Super Emmy. Strange creation from the Television Academy that came onto the telecast with powers and abilities far greater than a Golden Globe, but not as much as an Oscar. Super Emmy, who can change the course of careers, bend TV ratings just by being there, and who, disguised as just another Emmy Award, mild-mannered trophy for the great people who win it, fights a never-ending battle for glory, ego, and the Hollywood way. So now that it was revealed that a second superfluous Emmy Award would be given out to a select few, how exactly would this be given out? As is the case with award shows, the winners and nominees are voted on well in advance of the telecast. And since this was the mid-1970s, and audience feedback wasn't streamlined and instantaneous yet, it would be logistically impossible for the Academy voters to decide who would get the second award with so little turnaround time. So, with the TV Academy pretty much painting themselves into a corner, the only logical thing that could have been done in order for the process to go smoothly was to announce the winners of the awards in advance. Which is about several shades of insane. After all, one of the reasons people tune into award shows is probably the guiltiest of showbiz pleasures. Seeing those that don't win an award show off their best gracious loser face. Oh, you know what we're talking about. That moment when the winner is announced and you see all the nominees in one camera shot, and then once the winner's revealed, all the other nominees try to get nominated for best fake smile as they show how happy they are on the outside, but you know that they're secretly seething over the loss on the inside? The fact that the Emmy people practically cut out the middleman should have been hint number one that the idea of a Super Emmy would not work. But that's nothing compared to some protests that were raised by various TV Academy members. Most notably, the late great Mary Tyler Moore was quoted to saying that the idea of pitting comedy actor versus drama actor for the same award 
was like comparing apples to oranges. While the equally legendary Alan Alda of MASH fame went one step further, believing that the gimmick was like comparing apples and oranges to Volkswagens. Various other members of the Academy would threaten to resign if the gimmick was done more than once. But, given the benefit of the doubt, there were certainly some skeptics out there that were morbidly curious as to whether the stunt would work or not. And so, on May 28, 1974, back when the awards were given out at the end of a TV season instead of the start of it, the experiment began. Let's get the craft categories out of the way first. These are such positions as art and set director, cinematographer, film editor, musician, writer, and director of the year. And with that, we're going to invoke what I like to call the Bill Murray rule. Named for the comedy icon and his famous Oscar picks that he did as a cast member on SNL. And as much as we do appreciate those that work behind the scenes for what they do on the set on a daily basis, we feel the same way about the craft categories as Bill did about supporting actor and actress. Who the hell cares? Moving on to the acting categories. First, Supporting Actress of the Year was a battle between the great Cloris Leachman as Phyllis on The Mary Tyler Moore Show and character actress Joanna Miles, who was up for the role of Laura Wingfield in a TV movie version of The Glass Menagerie. Quite honestly, this would have been a toss-up. But considering Leachman had already won an Oscar and multiple Emmys to her name at that point, the fact that Miles won for Menagerie felt like a good way to even things out slightly. Next up was actress in a special between two acting icons, Cicely Tyson in the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman and Mildred Natwick in the short-lived NBC mystery movie series, The Snoop Sisters. I've actually seen bits and pieces of the Pittman movie, and even that was some pretty powerful stuff that helps the film earn its reputation as one of the all-time greatest TV movies ever made. Meanwhile, I've known about The Snoop Sisters for exactly 14 seconds, so Tyson winning her Super Emmy over Natwick seems like a foregone conclusion. Finally, Series Actress of the Year was a matchup between Michael Learned of the Waltons fame and the aforementioned Super Emmy oppositionist Mary Tyler Moore, which considering the early apples to oranges metaphor, this battle felt more like comparing a Lincoln town car to a team of horses in a stampede. And sure enough, despite her vocal protesting of the award gimmick, she wound up winning it anyway. No word on whether she took the Emmy and melted it down to make jewelry in protest. Over on the men's side, supporting actor of the year was a toss-up between future Law & Order star and reason to look up his Wikipedia page with wild-eyed curiosity, Michael Moriarty, for his role in The Glass Menagerie, versus Meathead himself, Rob Reiner on All in the Family. We should probably point out that while I haven't seen the 1973 TV adaptation of the movie, even though it is on YouTube in full, at least for now, I would not have been able to complete high school without reading it. So, I'll take the Emmy's word for it when they gave Moriarty his Super Emmy. On the special side, it was a battle of old-school heavyweights. Hal Holbrook for a show called Pueblo, which I've never heard of, and the equally legendary William Holden making a guest appearance on the short-lived cop show The Blue Knight, which I've also just now become aware of. Holbrook beat Holden, but Holden would make up for it by appearing in Network a few years later. Finally, we've got Actor of the Year, and probably the most pointless battle of all, as Hawkeye Pierce and Lieutenant Theo Kojak fought head-to-head -head for about 12 seconds, because that's how long it took to read a list of two diametrically opposed nominees, Alan Alda and Telly Savalas. And it is here where we are now going to play for you 
the only known footage available on YouTube of somebody actually winning and accepting their Super Emmy. Alan Alda. <laughs> I really am surprised, I, and I'm very grateful. This year has been so wonderful for me. This year, I, every, so many good things have happened this year. I, I, I think of the, uh, that uh, ritual they had among the Aztecs, you know, where uh, they would pick a guy out once a year and wine him and dine him for a year and provide him with Vestal, you know, they'd provide him with Vestal persons. And at the end of the year, they take him to the top of a pyramid, shake his hand and throw him down the stairs. And I, I'm gonna go into hiding in December. And I have so many things I want to say because I have so many uh, speeches that I've made up over the years. I would make up speeches even when I wasn't nominated. Uh, but one that always came to my mind, one I always wanted to make, I'll, I'll make now because this is such a nice occasion for me. I want to thank my wife Arlene who has been the perfect partner all through the years and everything I've done because she's remained her own person throughout. Thank you very much. For this. So, despite his own protests... Aldous still felt grateful for winning what would turn out to be the only Super Emmy he and nearly a dozen other recipients would ever receive. And the old axiom of less is more reigns supreme. So, where does the evil twin to TV's Golden Girls shine on the circles of Telehell? The nominees for Outstanding Rating System with Satanic Undertones are... Limbo, Lust, Gluttony, Greed, Wrath, Heresy, Violence, Fraud, Treachery... The Television Academy is a powerful figure in the world of showbiz, so when they say they want to try something new, there's going to be very little hesitation as to rejecting their wishes, even if there was some opposition or, in some cases, wrath from some of its more well-known members both before and after the ceremony. Still, though, the fact that the Academy thought this would be a good idea almost makes as much sense as the Motion Picture Academy, a.k.a. the Oscar people, lobbying for a most popular film Oscar just this year. It adds something unnecessary to something that doesn't need anything extra. So, the Super Emmy also seems rather gluttonous, not just for the Academy to give away, but also for their recipients to obtain. The people who won the award that got them to the Super Emmy round already just won an award. Isn't that enough? Whatever happened to the phrase, it's just an honor to be nominated. And of course, not only was this done to try to freshen up a ceremony that didn't really need to stray from what it had been doing for many years, but it also turned out to be a botched attempt to get viewers to tune in. And when you fail to get the ratings, you also fail to get the advertising dollars that come with them, marking a misdirected play for greed. And let's also not forget the fact that after all the backlash over how this gimmick was more unnecessary than a Sean Spicer cameo, the Super Emmy was never attempted again after that one night, meaning that particular statuette gets to enjoy a stay in limbo. Unless, of course, the Emmy people are foolish enough to try this again. We'll have to see how low the ratings are at this year's ceremony first. The 1974 Super Emmy earns four out of nine circles of telehell. The idea that something like this would ever happen in the first place raises more questions than answers. But thankfully, the Academy cut bait when it did. Had the trend continued, we would have seen such lopsided face-offs as Brian Cranston's Walter White versus Jim Parsons' Sheldon Cooper, or an HBO series versus the rest of television. While it's very tempting to shake up the status quo sometimes, things are supposed to be a certain way for a reason. 
we, the viewing audience, tend to cling to familiarity, whether it be in our award shows, scripted programs, or, to a lesser extent, reality shows. Or, as that great elder statesman of the year 3000, Philip J. Fry, once put it, Clever things make people feel stupid, and unexpected things make them feel scared. Something that the TV Academy thankfully learned that one time. Now, if only they'd apologize even more for this. You are my wife. Then we'll be all set. Next time on Telehell, we started this series with a look at a bad game show. It's only fair that we end our first season with another game show, one that could possibly be the worst thing ever unleashed by humanity. This episode was so controversial, it sparked a long debate as to whether or not to air it at all. Until then. If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. Telehell is now on Stitcher. Go to Stitcher.com, type in the word Telehell, and catch up on all the shows that we put up so far. And don't forget, we're also still on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course our own website, Telehell.Libsyn.com. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and share on our social feeds. Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcast.